God is so good. We're so blessed and we are highly favored and anointed. It's so good to have you here today. So excited that you're here today on this beautiful day that God has created for us to serve Him and to praise His holy name. I got a, a message today that I want to talk to you about that I believe that is going to encourage you and maybe stir up some things that, uh, in the ashes of the past that, 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 may, that may need to be revived, may be, need to be revived. Um, because I, I'm a dreamer. I love to dream and I love to, 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 to think and to plan uh, and create stuff, you know, it's, it's, especially with God in it. Because whenever I, whenever I try to dream and plan, plan on my own without God, it's, it's more of a nightmare than a dream because it never works out. But whenever you have God in it and you have Christ in, in your life and, and he gives you these dreams and you dream and plan and create with him, it never fails. Because Jesus never fails. So I want to talk to you today about uh, six days isn't, or six isn't enough. Six isn't enough. And if you see right there in the middle, that, that's actually, Jer that's actually um, used to be Jericho a long, long, long time ago. But that's, that's Jericho. And uh, I don't know if you've seen that, seen that show before in the past. Eight, eight is enough. Some of you older people might know that show. Eight is enough. Well, this is six isn't enough. So I guess there's, there's a, couple, a couple numbers in there between. That used to be a funny show. I used to enjoy it. But growing up, I had a lot of dreams, and I had a lot of ambition. And when I grew up, I had a lot of different paths that I was going to take. I started off saying I wanted to be a professional basketball player. I wanted to be an NBA player. I didn't want to just be college. I wanted to be pro. You know, and then once I realized my, uh, my shot percentage was about 30% and my free throw percentage was probably about 12 uh, I was like, you know what, I probably need to do something else. That would be a wise thing for me to do. And so I moved from that, and then I decided, you know what, I'm going to be an undercover cop. I want to go, I want to be an undercover cop, you know, like you see on television where they, where they join in with everybody, and they're part of the crowd, and they're doing that stuff. And, and you know, they're actually you know, checking up on people and finding out what's going on and kind of doing stuff on the DL. And, you know, then I realized, you know what, I'm really relationship-oriented. I'm going to fall in love with these people, and I'm going to like these people, and I'm probably going to end up doing what they're doing. And then I'm going to get arrested, too, for, for being a, a dirty cop. You know, and I said, so I, I probably can't do that because I'm too relationship-oriented. I'm going to feel sorry for these people. I'm not going to want to turn them in, what have you. So I said, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do that. So what, else, what can I do? And then I decided I wanted to be a Christian psychologist. You know, I had to be a Christian. You know, back in the day, you couldn't be a psychologist that was Christian. You had to be a Christian psychologist, okay? You know, um, but so I, I thought I would do that. And then I was like, wait a second, that's going to take like eight or ten years of school. I don't want to go to school that long. <laughs> You know, that's too much. And so I was like, well, no, I don't, I don't, I don't know about that either. And so then I decided, well, I'm going to be in the military. I'm going to be in the military. 20 years, I'm going to retire from the military, and I'll be 38 years old, and I won't work the rest of my life. Well, I had three years active, three years reserve, and I was done. And I was like, this ain't going to work either. And so then, then I, 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 I dwelled and, and got my insurance license, and I did that, and, and I still, still tinkering that today a little bit, but, but I, I enjoyed that. That was fun. But it wasn't what I was called to do. And God called me to be a youth pastor. You know, and about 20 years ago, I started that, that process. And, and, and it was good, and I enjoyed it, and I loved it. And I realized that as a youth pastor, I got to play basketball with kids that didn't know how to play basketball that well yet. And I was like the NBA player. 
You know, and then I realized that as a youth pastor, I kind of needed to be an undercover cop sometimes and do a little searching on Facebook pages and stalking and, and checking this out and, and hanging out with kids. And, hey, what, what do y'all know about this right here? And talk to other kids and kind of get in their life and, and do that. And then so then I got them busted. So then I busted them and then I brought them in my office and then I became a Christian psychologist. And I said, let me tell you some things, son. Let me help you out a little bit. And I needed to be a little bit militant at that point too. You know, so everything I wanted to do in my life, I got to do as a youth pastor. But I never, ever, ever, ever thought about being a church planner. It just, I mean, I was like, good God, that's too hard. I can't never do that. Good gracious, this, that's just, well, I, just starting from zero? Wow. You know, so, and, and plus, pastor was never, I was, I, I was not one of those. There's a lot of youth pastors that really felt like that, that, that being a youth pastor was a stepping stone for them to become a pastor one day. I never looked at it that way. I looked at, that was my stone. That I'm going to pastor these kids. They deserve more than, than you using them to get better to do something else. So I felt like, you know what? No, I'm going to do my best right here. And this is, I'm going to give them my all. So, so that happens sometimes. And, 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 and my, my point is, is that we started a lot of things in our life, but we don't finish a lot of things. We started a lot of things we don't finish. We always stop short of the promises of God and the purpose for our life. We, we start and we get, we get dysfunction and we get sidetracked. We lose faith. We lose, we, we, we lose patience and stuff, and we, and we don't get it. And, but today, I want to, like I said, stir up maybe the ashes in your life that, 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 that what, what God started in your life some time ago, you may be able to finish today. Pick it up and, and take the torch and finish it because God has given every one of us a purpose a purpose and a plan in your life to, to, to do something great and to give you a promise. <clears throat> so I want to ask you today, what does that look for, like for you? Can you um, automatically think of something that God spoke to your life about that he wanted you to do, a promise that he gave you that you kind of gave up on for whatever reason? Is there anything in your life that you felt like, you know, I just lost faith that that was ever going to happen? You know, so you just kind of stopped thinking about it and co- stopped even believing God for it, Lord forbid? You know, there's things like that that happen. Is it, is, it, is it your marriage that maybe you felt that way about? Is it, is it your career? Is it some kind of assignment? Is it a ministry God asked you to be in or part of? Or, or what, what is it in your life that, that you had that, that, that maybe you just kind of teared away from a little bit because of, you know, like I said, lack of faith, lack of happening, lack of movement, stuff like that. Because what happens is if, you know, if you just give up on it, if you're, if you're going towards a dream, you're going towards your purpose, and you're constantly going, you're moving, right? But when you back away from that, and you decide to stop and stand still and quit, quit going after that, you become stagnant, right? That's what happens to water. When you, water just stands still, it gets stagnant. And so when you give up on your dreams and the promises that God gave you, you become stagnant, and, and, and it get, becomes pretty disappointing to you. But... but uh, I just want to talk to you just a minute about this, and I believe that God has a plan for you today and, and that you were created with that purpose and plan. And I want to read it today in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that God has promised you. You will never, um, you will never ever possess the promise of God if you don't have perseverance. And I know, I know <laughs> they say I say it wrong, but that's how I say it, okay? But, but, but it's, it's true, though. It's perseverance. You've got you to gotta press on. You know, you've got you to push through stuff. And as long as you, are not, not, you don't have any perseverance, you don't have any, any patience, 
You don't have any faith that that can happen. It's not going to happen. And God says here in his word in Hebrews, it says patient endurance um, is what you need now. If you're going to continue to do God's will, you've got to be patient. I'm not a patient person. I want stuff now. Get, you, know, we, you know, sometimes Gina's like, well, hey, uh, um, why don't we get, get the, uh, uh, the uh, lasagna out of the, out of the freezer? And I'm like, well, can we put it in the microwave? I don't want to wait an hour. I want to get a pop, yeah, 45 minutes for a pop pie. Wait, I can put it in a microwave and get it done in five. It might not taste, taste quite as good, but to me, it's, it, I ain't got time to wait. I got, I got what, well, what do you got to do? Well, I'm going to go sit in my chair and watch TV. Yeah, but I want, when, when I want something, I want it now, you know what I'm saying? You know, and we, we go through life, and, and we want stuff so quickly. We, you know, they, they call us a microwave society because that's, that's exactly how it happens in our life. And, and, <clears throat> but th things start happening in our life, and, and halfway through, we give up or we quit, right? It's kind of like football. You know, there's, there was a certain particular game with the Dallas Cowboys, which, you know, Super Bowl champs is coming up here. Um, and they, and they, they were playing, and Jason Garrett, which I, I don't care for his coaching, but one game in particular, he made just the most horrible call ever at the end of that game. And so what happened was, after that game was over, everybody's like, fire the coach, fire the coach, you need to fire the coach. And see, that's what we do. In the middle of the game, in the middle of the season, we want to fire the coach. We want to, we want to go ahead and get rid of things and say, you know what, it's done, it's over, we go ahead and fire him to get something new, get something different. And God's like, no, no, you got to persevere. That's not how I work. I, I use these bumps and I use these things to your advantage to help you get further along. Just because something goes wrong in your journey to the process, in your journey to the, 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 uh, the promise, in the journey to your destiny, that don't mean that you're supposed to stop and give up and just quit and fire everything and quit and go on. You're supposed to stay, stay, stay still and know that I'm God in those moments. But I want to talk to you about some fundamental things here in just a few minutes about how we can uh, persevere in, in chasing the promise. You know, and, and it's in relationships. You know, it's in churches, spiritual growth, and business, whatever. There, there's, it takes time. You just can't just meet somebody not very often one, one in a million chance you just meet somebody and say hey you want to get married I think, we're, I think we're supposed to be together yeah sure you know it takes time to have you have to build a relationship right you know it has takes time you can't just start a business and then next week make a million dollars it takes time to do that it takes time to do in churches it takes it takes time to, to to plan a church it's been three years now you know, and we're, and, we're, and we're still growing and we're still moving things around. We still haven't, haven't finalized and we, have, we, we're never, we won't ever get to the point where we feel that we say we're there. But still, it's been three years and we're still making changes and doing things to make things better because it takes perseverance. Don't stop short of what God has put in you. And that's my point today, that we all stop short of what God's given you. So I want to give you three reasons today of why people stop short of God's promises. I want to start off reading in Joshua 1, chapter 6, verse 1 through 5. It says, Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go in or go out. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and, and its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the wall once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you were to march around the town seven times with the priest blowing the horns. When you hear the priest give one long blast, <clears throat> um, give the one long blast on the ram's horn, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people will charge straight into the town. So point one, 
One reason why we give up and we, and we, we quit too early is because our perspective gets blocked. Jericho was a first city after they crossed over the Jordan River and Jericho took over from Moses and Moses died and he took, took him into Jericho um, and took him in, crossed into the promised land. Jericho was the first place that they had to take control of. Jericho was the first place that they had to conquer and, and God had already told them, wherever you step foot, every inch of every, every foot that you take, you're going you're gonna to take it and I'm going to give it to you. You don't have to worry. You don't even have to fight. And so they, they went to do that, and they were finally there, and they were, he was about to finally get what was promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to Moses. It was all promised to Joshua as well. And he said, look, it's finally going to come to fruition. I'm going to give you everything that you, that you always desired and, and everything that, that I had promised you. But the thing is, they had to first take this battle, and this was the first battle they had. And a lot of times, the first battle is the hardest, right? If you're going to do things, a lot of times the very first time you face something, it's the hardest one to overcome. But Jericho wasn't a very big city, but, but, but the walls were so high. And how many people know that no matter how big it looks to you, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world, right? So no matter what, what you're facing, you can know that God is bigger and God is greater. Well, how big was Jericho? Well, it was about, about 10 acres big. It's about, if you went to Houston, Texas, and went a city block, it's about seven city blocks is how big that was, okay? And so, so um, they, they had to walk around that once a day. And, and the, in the middle of that, in the middle of, of that city, about 12,000 to 15,000 people, is that, that's about how big it was, Twelve to 15,000 people lived there. Now, well, how big was the wall? Well, the wall had a stone wall at the bottom that was at a little tiny slant that was about 12 to 15 feet tall. And you're like, well, that's not too bad. Okay. Well, at, at the top of that 12 to 15 foot wall of stone, what, it was, was kind of at a little angle, built straight up about 20 to 26 feet straight up was a mud brick wall. Okay. So, so now you're up to 40 something feet. So you're, you're, if, you, if, you go, if you go look up at a four-story building, four, four-and-a-half-story building, and you look straight up, that's what they were looking at, okay? Now, I, I got some pictures. If some of y'all want to see this at the end, it's pretty interesting. Now, you have this little 12-foot little stone wall, then a, 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 12, then a 26-foot straight wall, straight up with mud bricks, and then there was a little area of ravine of grass and earth and stuff where a lot of the, 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 the lower class people, not lower class, the, the, lower, the more pov people in poverty live, that, that they didn't have as much money. And, you know, so that's where Rahab lived at. You know, Rahab was there and it said she lived inside the wall, right? And so what happened with Rahab, as you know, that they, they sent the spies out to go look at Jericho and they found they were hiding. So they asked Rahab, can we stay at your house? She was like, she was like sure, we're scared. We know y'all are coming. We know y'all going to take the city, you know, but, but if they find you, they're going to kill you. And so they said, can I stay here? So, so they, they took the two, the two spies and on top of her house under some flax, and they hid. Okay, and then after, after they, they left the house, um, she said, look here, you, I, I hid you. I saved your life. Can you save mine? He said, sure. So whenever, whenever, you, whenever we come to destroy this city, you put a little red cord out of your door, out of your window, and then, then we'll pass and we'll, we'll grab you, take you with us, you know, and you'll be saved and we won't kill you. Okay, and so they would sit there. And that's how big it was, this big old ravine. And then, and then there was this little earth area, and then there was another wall to the inside of the city. So it was, a, it was pretty astronomical looking, especially to the aisle, and how it was fortified, I guess I would say, is the best word for that. 
But that's how, but, but, but why, that's why it's so important for us to come together and worship. That's why it's so important for us to get here and, and with one mind and one accord, just like a while ago when we started um, worshiping together. And the first service, man, was the worship was so intense in the first service. And, and it just lifted us up. And you understand, don't you ever feel that in worship where it kind of lifts you up and you start feeling lifted up in the spirit? Well, that's, that's what happened, and that's what needed to happen there. Well, why is it so important to be lifted up in the spirit? Well, let me tell you why. Because what happens is, is when you look up in your flesh, you see this big wall that's not attainable. But when you begin to worship God, and you begin to magnify God, and he lifts you up in the spirit, you're able to look down on things. Because you're able to look at it from a different perspective and say, well, you know what? That's not so big for my God because right now God has lifted me up in his hand and, you know, he's, he's elevated me up in his spirit and I can look at it from a different perspective and I can realize this is attainable because my God is bigger than what I'm looking at. And so that we, we, that's what's so important. There's nothing wrong with looking on Facebook when you can't come to church. I encourage you to do that. we got a wonderful group of people that look on a regular basis on, on Facebook, and I'm so honored that they, they choose to do that. But when you can, it's so important for you to be here in this house because when brothers and sisters get together, God inhabits the praises of his people, and it's so good when we're together just crying out to God and worshiping and saying, God, you're so good. It works when you're by yourself, but when you got a group of people doing it together, all in the house of God together, it's just something special. And it elevates you up and it lets you see that what you're going through is not as bad as you thought it was with God on your side and with God helping you that it's attainable that you can overcome it that you can do it and it looks so astronomical from from the bottom but the thing was 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 whenever you look at it from the top you can look down and see from a different perspective and the walls are not so overwhelming and so but the, the problem is is whenever God gives you that promise to when it fulfills itself, there's a lot of tension in between that because your reality of what, your, your perception of what God promised you and then the reality looks different. Have you, has God ever told you something? And so when God gives us a promise, we automatically in our mind decide what it looks like, the, the completion. But God says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. So the way it's going to look to God or the way it's going to look, period, at the end, when God fulfills his promise, is not how we create it in our mind. In our mind, it's all pretty, and it's complete, and it's just beautiful. And God's like, that's not necessarily the way it's going to look. And so, so there's a lot of tension in there, because we're like, God, I thought this was going to happen. And I thought it was going to look this way. And you know, God's like, hey, there's a, there's a process to get to the promise. The promise just don't happen. There's a process. We're in the process right now. We're believing God for this money for $150,000. And, and, and we, praise God, we, we know we, the, those people who, who gave money, thank you so much for everybody who gave on that night. And those people who given before, on that night I wrote little thank you cards for everybody that was in that service. But people gave before that, people going to give after that. And I'm so thankful for those people who gave. And we're up to $42,000 now um, of, of our money that were raised. Praise God for that, right? But at the same time, we're looking at that wall and we're like, well, we got 42, but we need 150, and it's still looking good, but it looks, it's so good when you get in God's presence, and, and he raises us up, and you're like, you know what? Man, my faith is, is full. I, you know what? That's nothing. 150 is nothing for God. God, God. God owns the cattle of a thousand hill, and, and he owns the world. He created the universe. Is that nothing for him to give to us? But have you ever felt like that whenever God spoke to you that it didn't match up with what was happening? You know, God spoke to you that, hey, you're going to be healed, but you're still hurting. You know, you're still kind of broken. 
You feel like God asked you to share your faith, but you, whenever you think about sharing it, you feel like your faith is a little weak and, not, and not, not, not strong. God tells you to be generous to other people and to bless them. And you're like, well, God, I, I, I bless, I, I give money and I gave it to the church and I pay my tithes and I gave offerings and stuff, but God, I, I, I don't see the blessings coming in yet. And the, what, what, the way you thought it was going to happen, it didn't actually happen that way. That's why God gives us spiritual leaders and brothers and sisters in faith to come with one another and boost each other over the wall. Okay, life groups on Sunday mornings, all these things are so important because what happens, have you ever seen the, the run where, uh, I guess it's an iron run, team run, where everybody runs together as a team through an obstacle course, and they, they have these big old walls, and what happens when they get to their walls, no one person can get over that wall. But what they do is one person will come and put his back up against the wall and stand like this. And, and the next person will come up and step on his, on his leg and step on his arm and step on his shoulder. And then he'll be up there. And then the next person they crawl on each other like ants. And they use each other to push each other over the wall. And once they get to the top of the wall, the, the last person at the bottom, everybody reaches over to grab that person and pull them up. And that's how it is. When you come to a life group and you're, hey, I'm sad, I'm down, I, I'm distraught, I'm going through a lot. And then other people in the room will say, hey, let me tell you what. Let me help you with that. Let me pray for you. Let me encourage you. Same thing happens on Sunday mornings when we come here. When you see someone that's down and, or someone tells you, hey, I'm going through a lot, we, 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 we help each other and push them up and help them push them over the wall. That's what we're supposed to do in Christ and, 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 and love one another and care for one another. They, give you, they speak life into you. When, when you can't breathe your, yourself, they help you breathe and they give you a reason to breathe because of Christ um, has done it for them. Joshua 6, 6 through 14 says, So Joshua called together the priests and said, Take up the ark of the Lord's covenant and assign seven priests to walk in front of it and carry in the ram's horn. Then the, the, he gave the orders to the people, <clears throat> March around the town and the armed men will lead the way in the front of the Ark of the Covenant. After Joshua spoke to the people, the seven priests of the ram's horn started marching and in the presence of the Lord, blowing the horns as they marched. And the Ark of the Covenant, the Lord's Covenant, followed behind them. Some of the, the men, mar armed men marched in front of the priests while in the horns while some behind the Ark, with the priests continually blowing the horns. And he said, Do not shout, do not even talk, Joshua commanded, not a single word until you hear me say shout, then you shout. See, let me stop there just a second. You know, well, what, what, why did he tell them not to shout? Well, here, what we forget was this was a new generation. The old generation that, that walked around in the wilderness that was disobedient to God, they all died off, right? Well, why did they die off? Because they were disobedient. They didn't do what God told them to do. They grumbled and they complained and they were negative and everything they did. And Joshua knew, wait, that was, your, that was your mama and your daddy and your grandparents and your granddaddy and your grandparents in there. And you probably still got some of that in you. And if I let y'all walk around this wall and talk, y'all are probably going to complain like they did. Because they complained saying, hey, we ain't got no food. Well, God gave them manna. Well, we ain't got nothing to drink. You know? Well, it's the same thing every day. We should have been back in Egypt. They complained and argued the whole time. And they were so negative. I'm here to tell you today, you will not get to the promise being negative. You will not get to the promise complaining and arguing and saying why everything's wrong and nothing's right. And that's why he told them. He basically told them, shut up and march. Keep your mouth shut. Because, because I, I know what you're going to do. You're going you're to start complaining. You can get negative. You, man, why are we walking around this wall for? And he's like, man, I don't want no negativity. 
If we're going to reach this goal and God's going to do what he says, it has to do with positivity. It has to do with the right frame, mind, the right attitude, right? And so he told him, and he said, just shut up and march. I'll tell you when to talk. And when I say talk and worship God, the, the, worship, that he, the, 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 the worship that was going forth was through the ram's horn. That was the, the song of worship that was going forth. Okay, And then it says in verse 11, So the ark of the Lord was carried around the town once that day, and then everyone returned to spend the night in the camp. Joshua got up the next morning, and the, the, the priest again carried the ark around the Lord. Ark of the Lord. The seven priests with the ram's horn marched in front of the ark of the Lord, blowing their horns. Again, the armed men marched both in front um, of the priest and the ram's and the horn and behind the ark of the Lord. At this time, time the priests were blowing their horns <laughs> um, on the second day they again marched around the town once and returned to the camp they followed this pattern for six days okay so why another reason the second reason why we stop before we get the promise is number two is because our progress is not always obvious they marched around okay they marched around, and it wasn't obvious what was happening. They didn't, they didn't know what was happening. It was frustrating to them. You know, they, 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 I, I like checking off things. If, if, if you do a lot of leadership classes, they'll tell you, if you get in a rut and you get in a day that you don't, you're not getting a lot done, make a list that you, ha that you have, you know, and you, got, you only got one or two things checked off, add things to the list. Add things to the list that you can check off. In other words, I went and got my coffee like I did every morning. I, 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 I drove to work today. Whatever it is, get stuff on that list that you can check off so you see more checks than empty boxes. You know, it's a mental thing. They're saying just check, get stuff, show stuff that you have done things. Hey, I called my mom. I said hey to my wife. You know, I told my wife I loved you before I left. Whatever it is, do stuff that you can check off and say I've done things, and it makes you feel more productive, okay? But it's not always obvious. It gets frustrating when you don't see. You know, like me, I'm waiting for my hair to grow. And it's taking a lot. It's not, I don't see progress very often. You know, my Monet's working well and it's making me grow some hair, but it's not, not grow fast enough, okay? But I, do, but I do like to see that. I like to see stuff happen fast. I like to, like I said, microwave. I like to see, boom, popcorn. I like to see when it starts popping because I see it's getting closer. I can listen to it, you know? You know, you, you know as a kid, I used to really love to, to, to cut grass when it was big up here and small down here, you know, because you, 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 would, you would cut grass that was high, and as soon as you cut it, it was like a row. You could see what you did. What, when you don't like to cut grass, is when it's kind of low, and it's not very much difference, and you can't see your lines, you know? Because it's like, oh, I don't see where my line, I want to see progress. You know, and I don't want to see immediate progress. But when they walked around in the wilderness, they were just, they didn't see no progress. When they walked around the wall that one time, they didn't see progress. It would be cool, and they would have felt better if it was like Candy Crush. Every time they walked around, one of the little pretty black things in the middle exploded with, with like sprinkles on it, and everything just shot down a little bit. You know, if they saw a wall crumble, if they saw something, a rock fall, if they saw something, but see, just because you don't see no progress does not mean that God's not working. Because when they completed what God said to do on that, eighth, on that seventh day, and they, and they shouted, the wall fell all at one time. It didn't need to fall a little bit at a time. It, fall all, it fell all at one time. And see, that's what we got to know. Like the guy who, who, who the prophet told him to go dip in, in, in a river seven times. After six times, nothing happened. 
But when he dipped down that seven times and came up, he was clean. So sometimes it's just a process of continuing on and persevering and not giving up and not stopping and not doing that. You know, um, that's what it takes. You know, and during our process is we got to make sure to keep our mouth shut and not be negative. When we speak and during what God's doing stuff, it needs to be positive and uplifting and encouraging. And, and God, I trust you. God, I love you. God, I know you're doing this. God, thank you for what you're doing. Even though I don't see, God, what's happening, I trust you and I have faith, God, that you're going to complete what you started in my life. Not negative things. Because our own worst enemy can be our minds. And sometimes we just need to talk. Sometimes we just need to go talk to somebody and let stuff off of our chest so it don't get negative. I have people periodically drive by the church and, and just say, hey, Pastor Doug, you know, hey, I saw your car here. Do you got a minute to talk? And you know, I need to get some stuff off my chest. You know, sometimes I can, and sometimes I'm like, you know what? I'm really busy. Let, let me take, let me, let me look at my calendar, see when we can get together as soon as possible. But some people, they just, you know, I, then, then, I'm, then I'm a Christian psychologist because I get to sit there and all they want to do is just talk. They're not looking for any, they're just trying to unload, they just, they're overwhelmed. And they're not looking for an answer. They just need to say, Ugh! they just need to vomit on somebody. You know, you know, they just want to vomit on somebody. And then they're, they're like, okay, well, wow, well, thanks, Pastor Doug. I'm like, well, I didn't really say a lot, okay. Peace out, I'm glad you feel better. You know, God used me today. Um, but sometimes it's just being there for people. The present, your presence being there. Joshua 6, 15 and 16 says, On the seventh day the Israelites um, got up at dawn and marched around the town as they'd done before. But this time they went around the town seven times. So how many times total did they march? Any math, math wizards in here? There was 13, 13 times they marched all the way around total. It says, And as they sounded the long horns, Joshua commanded the people, Shout! For God has given us this town. And they shouted. And the walls fell down. Now, here's the thing. Uh, when the wall, by, by a little side note, a little bonus, when the walls fell, they fell flat, it says. They fell into the ground. As a matter of fact, it crumbled. It even went into the ground. It didn't fall like, you know, when they say the wall fell, we think a lot of times that the wall fell like, like that. Okay, but it didn't. It fell down. It, 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 it piled up straight down into the ground. And that's how they were able to walk straight on into the city. Okay, um, but, but one, the third reason why that we don't, we stop early is because the process is open-ended. God told um, Joshua, here's what's going to happen. One time a day, seventh day, seven times. Joshua said, shut up and march. One time and then stop. Okay, so they don't know when it's going to end. See, that, that's why sometimes we stop because we don't know when God's going to do it. And so, we're, so we think, God, you must not going to be doing it. Since you ain't done it yet, and you ain't told me when it's going to stop, you must be finished, or I must have missed it, or it must not have happened, or I must have not done what you told me to do, so I'm just going to give up. But don't, don't stop on six. Don't stop on the sixth day. Don't stop right when it could. So many people, I feel like, give up on the, they give up on the brink of their victory. You know, you know um, back, in the, back in the day, you know, grandma would say, hey, you, you need to pray down in earnest. You need to pray through. You know? But so many times, people would come to the altar, and they would almost be broken through. They would almost be, be, be filled with the Spirit. They would almost have what they needed, the breakthrough they needed, but they would get up and walk away. And I'm like, ah, you were almost there. If you don't give up. In our lives today, we do that. We're almost there. We've almost completed what God has us to complete before the walls fall in our life. But we give up and walk away from it and say, I'm done. You know, um, we, we leave. 
And, and, and we like, we, well, it must not be now. It must not going to happen, so I'm just going to give up. No, if God promised it to you, I promise you, it's going to happen. You know, and they didn't, but the problem with, they, they saw it endless. They didn't see an end in sight. He didn't give them all the information, but God does not always do that. Why does he not do, why does he not give us all the information? Because sometimes he just wants us to trust him. He just wants us, he just wants, just trust me. I don't want to tell you every time exactly how it's going to happen. Sometimes I just want you to have faith in me that I'm going to do it so you don't quit. But sometimes we quit. You know, how, you know what he wants to know is that will you still pray after six days whenever nothing's happened and only walked around one day? Will you still serve when nobody appreciates you and nobody cares about you? And you don't feel like you're, you're making any difference. Will, will, you still, will you still show up and, and here and do a job when you feel like, oh, well, all I'm doing is just standing there and greeting. And I'm just saying, hey, I'm not I'm really making a difference. So you don't know the difference you're making in your life. when Just because people don't talk to you here at church and you, and you say, hey, how are you doing? Have a great day. And they're like, well, thank you. And you don't know the impact that had on the inside of them. They might, they might be jumping for joy. Oh, praise God, so good to see everybody. But, but, but by you loving them, by you caring them, by you serving them, you don't know the impact that it's had in their life. Are you going to do that? Or, you know, how about whenever you're looking for God's provision to flow in your life and you've paid your tithes and you've, you've you sacrificed and you made a pledge and you're still not seeing the increase you thought. God's like, are you going to keep going because the promise is coming? But are you ready to give up because you don't feel like it's happening the way it should happen? When you think something's going to happen, you're like, hey, God, here's a blessing. Here's a gift. And God's going to give you this gift. And then you find out bad news. And you're like, oh, my gosh. I thought, man, God thought this was going to happen differently. That's the question that he wanted to know. God is working when you, whenever, you, whenever you don't think he is. When you, just because you don't see God working, you don't see the process or the progress, that does not mean he's not working in your life. If you come, Don, please. Don't stop on six, six marches around there. Don't, you know, it just, it just because you feel like you're losing your grip, don't give up and don't stop. You've given up mentally. You've given up emotionally. But I'm here today to hopefully encourage you to, 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 to suck it up, buttercup, as they, they used to say in the military. Suck it up, buttercup. Suck it up. Say, so you know what? No, I'm going to stand strong. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit. I know, God, you promised me. And since you promised me, I want you to continue to finish to do what you told me you are going to do. I want you to pick up that dream today. I want you to pick up that, that saying. You know, I want you to say, you know what? Maybe I am making a difference. Maybe people do care. Maybe, maybe, I am, maybe the vision is going to come to flourishment. For, um, flourishment. Maybe things are going to happen. Go back and pick that up, what you thought was, was happening, that you, that you thought that might have been falling, that, that know that it's going to happen. With every lap around, the, that the walls don't fall. Know that the walls might be falling there, but God may be doing something else in your life. Joshua 6 and 20. When the people heard the sound of the ram's horn, and they shouted as loud as they could, suddenly the walls collapsed. And it fell flat, it says in the King James. It says, and the Israelites charged into the town and captured it. Now see, J Joshua didn't knock the walls down. The warriors didn't knock the walls down. God knocked the walls down. When you're looking for your dream, you're looking for your vision, just know that, that it's not you. It's nothing that you're going to do that's going to happen. It's going to be God. God's going to do that. And in the first service, as I was closing in prayer, right, right after this right here in the first service, I prayed. And during that prayer, God spoke to me. And I had to quit praying so I could share what God spoke to me. But he said, in that, in that service and in this service, 
some of those walls that are up are not walls built by the enemy. Some of the walls in your lives are, are walls that you built. Walls to protect yourself. Walls against others. Walls of insecurity. Walls of fear. Walls of, of not being enough. And God says, those walls, I'm not going to tear down. Those walls, you need to tear down. Because the gates of hell cannot prevail against you. You need to step back and put your spiritual boot on and start kicking them walls down. And say, no, that's not going to happen. I'm not going to allow fear, insecurity, and, 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 and self-righteousness, and, and pride, and anger, and unforgiveness. I'm not going to let all that stop me from the promised land. And you, what, those are walls that you have built, and you need to break down them walls. You need to do that. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you today for your promises, for your provision, for the dreams that you give us, for, the, for the, the destiny that you set before us. And I'm sure in this room, God, there's a lot of things that you've spoken to a lot of people in this room that it didn't happen in the time, in the way that they thought it was going to happen. So they didn't persevere anymore. They stopped. They gave up. They went on to something else. But God, you still have that dream for them. You still have that destiny for them. You still have the ability to complete that in their life. And I just pray that you do that today. God, that, that there's some little rumbles and ashes down there they're going to dig through and, and they're going to pick it up and wear it as a badge and say, God, you promised me this and I know you'll complete it. Forgive me, Lord, for giving up on it. Forgive me, Lord, for, for not persevering. Forgive me, Lord, for, for not believing you. Forgive me, Lord, for looking for it to turn out a certain way. And when it didn't turn out the way I wanted it, I dropped the ball and decided to turn around and say, that wasn't good enough. That wasn't the way I wanted it to happen, so I don't even want it. And God, help us today also to tear down the wall that we built. That wall of insecurity, that wall of fear, that wall of anxiety, that wall of guilt, that wall of unforgiveness, that, that anxiety, that wall of doubt, that wall of I'm not good enough. That wall of I'm not good enough to do what God's called me to do. It's not if you're good enough because God died for you. He's good enough, so he makes you good enough. Thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Amen, amen. Is there anybody today that would want to come up and say, Pastor Doug,